if he's been faithful. Amen. Every once in a while you run into somebody that hears a song like that and say, you know, huh? No goodness running after me. I don't know nothing, nothing about that. David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen, that's not hyperbole. That's fact. And you listen, you write with God, listen to me. Goodness will run after you. And uh, how many of you can testify to the fact it has chased you down? Amen. Amen. And I tell you, as good as God is to us, we ought to be good to him. Take your Bibles and go with me to Leviticus chapter number 10. Leviticus chapter number 10. Now we begin, we'll begin here, establish our text verse, and then we'll go back to chapter number 6, where we were last week, spend some time there. Maybe in chapter 8 and chapter 10 as well. It is chapter 10, verse 1. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his sins and put fire there and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord. Next statement, which he commanded them not. It's very important. Say it with me. It's important. Those are kind of little phrases in the Bible that we just dismiss as irrelevant. See, right and wrong is all based on that. Which he commanded them not. There's nothing wrong with fruit. There's nothing wrong with fruit. There's just something wrong with eating fruit off of a tree God told you not to eat off of. Huh? Anybody listening? There's nothing wrong with, with, with helping to make sure that something that's falling is stabilized. But there's something wrong if the helper has not been authorized by God to handle the Ark of the Covenant. Anybody listening? So, so what makes right, right, and what makes wrong, wrong is whether or not God has commanded it. This is what's wrong in Leviticus 10. It's what's wrong in April of 2023. Verse 2. They went out fire from the Lord, devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, say the next three words. Say it again. They got a place in Atlanta, a soul food place called This Is It. Got good chicken there. This is it that the Lord spake. Hey, you want to be a mouthpiece for God in a lost and dying world that seems to have no clue on what God has said? When you speak, make sure that you speak in a way that points people to what God said. Make sure when you talk, you say, This is it. This is what God said. And don't change it. Say it the way he said it. I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Let the church say amen. amen. Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Do a great work. 
do like only you can. We love you and we thank you for being God. You are truly worthy of anything we can offer you. Please, God, help us to offer in a way that pleases you. If anyone's here today that's not saved, may today be the day one comes to saving knowledge of the truth. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Have you lived in the goodness of God? The scripture said the goodness of God bringeth us to repentance. You know, so many times we, we think about God's wrath, God's punishment, straighten us up. But it ought to be the, the more good that we get from God, the more we ought to serve him. Nobody should have demonstrated that more than Israel. God had been so good to them. Need we go back and rehearse God calling Abraham from the, or the Chaldees and Abraham had Isaac and Isaac had Jacob and Jacob the 12 sons. And we know about Joseph going down into Israel and going down into Egypt and that, that the Israelites came down there because of a famine and God used them and God used Egypt to give Israel exactly what they needed. The captivity in Egypt over 400 years under Pharaoh until Moses is raised up. And God's people are delivered out of Egypt with a high hand, Scripture says. That's a high hand. That's a, that, that's, a, that's a sign of pride. That's like dunking on somebody and standing over them. That's the way God led Israel out of Egypt across the Red Sea. There was a sense of pride and dignity. Hey, let me tell you something. You can keep it real. When God saves you and you become a child of God, there's a sense of pride and dignity that comes with being in God's family. But he has an order. God's God of order. Does it take us long in scripture to figure that out? Genesis 1, Genesis 2, in the beginning, God. The evening and the morning were the first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. God rests on the seventh. God's God of order. He created something on one day and something on another day and something on another day and something on another day. And he creates the sun to rise and the sun to set and the clouds to form and to to pour out rain and the sun to come out and to, by way of evaporation, take back up that moisture into the sky. He created an environment and a system that feeds and serves itself. Species after species of animals in the animal kingdom and, and each of them functions in his own lane. Because God is a God of order. Now if God's a God of order, then it matters how we approach him. Do you agree with that? Say amen. This is what's happening in Leviticus 10. This is where strange fire hits the pages of Scripture because God's holiness, God's atonement, God's righteousness, God's worship that should be done a certain way is not taken the right way. And this is what Nadab and Abihu do. We spoke about strange fire here in Leviticus 10 because we want to understand that it's happening in churches and in people of God today. These were men that were priests. They'd been taught right. <clears throat> God had given them a structure and an order. And here they are doing things their own way. How is it that we have so many different churches, so many different uh, denominations, so many different opinions, 
You walk in one place, they do it this way. Another place, they do it that way. I'm just talking about methodology. Methodology is going to be different from church to church. But you got to make sure when you change your methods that you don't change the message. You can't compromise the holiness of God, the character of God. Doctrine is, is not up for vote. We are a democratic body, the church. Things we vote on. We'll baptize someone and a little bit later we'll vote on them. Someone else will join the church by transfer today. We'll vote on the person. We make certain decisions. They voted on. I didn't become the pastor because I walked in and said, the Lord told me that y'all need to have me as you. No, it's voted on. But we're not going to vote. We're not going to take a vote on the whether, whether or not Jesus is God. We're not going to take a vote on what constitutes marriage. We're not going to take a vote on when life begins for a human being. We're not going to take a vote on what is morally right. We're not going to take a vote on, on what God's will is for, for parents and children and obedience. See, there's no need to vote on things that are already right and not up for negotiation. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here's why strange fires happening in churches today. People are taking what God said, throwing it out the window and saying they won't do what they want to do. How did it happen? The consuming fire has not been sustained. Go back to chapter number six if you would. The consuming fire has not been sustained. Here is the law, Leviticus 6, on the offerings, the trespass offering and the burnt offering. Leviticus chapter 6, we saw very clearly last week. Look at verse number 9, if you would. Leviticus 6 and verse 9. Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. It is the burnt offering because of the burning of the fire all night unto the morning, and the fire of the altar shall be burning in it. And then the priest, verse 10, shall burn on the linen garment, and shall, shall put on his linen garment, and shall and put the linen breeches shall he put upon his flesh, shall Take up the ashes which the fire hath consumed with the burnt offering off the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar, and he shall put off his garments, put on other garments, carry forth the ashes without the camp unto a clean place. Now look at verse 12 and 13. The fire upon the altar shall be burning in it. Next statement, it shall not be put out. Say it with me. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn the wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order upon it. He shall burn thereon the fat upon the peace offerings. Verse 13, the fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. Say the phrase with me. It shall never go out. Say it again. It shall never go out. Ladies and gentlemen, I said to you last week, I'll say it again. You are in danger of offering strange fire to God if the fire that he started in your heart has gone out. How's it go out? Well, how did it start? By the receiving of the supernatural. God sent the fire. I said, God sent the fire. Listen, we're living in wicked days. We're living in crazy days. But I'm glad that God can still send the fire. I know there are churches doing everything. There's a whole bunch of this and that. But let me tell you something. I want to be in a place where God is sending the fire. Aren't you glad he can still send the fire? He can light up your home, light up your marriage. He can light up these young people. We got young people today caught up in all kinds of nonsense. But let me tell you something. I still believe in 2023 that God can light a fire in the heart of a young man and a young lady that will live right, that will do right, that will wait for God's choice of me, that will keep themselves pure, that will honor their father and mother, that will stand away from the status quo and the cultural shifts of this world and decide in Jesus name to do the right thing but ladies and gentlemen you can't get that from Walmart you can't get that from Amazon you can't get that from eBay you can't get that from Target you can't find that out from Dr. Phil or Oprah if you're going to get the fire that's going to honor almighty God God's got to send it 
How's it, how's it go out? Well, there's no removing of the ashes. Last week we saw that's the removal of sin. Take up the ashes. Verse number 12. He says, and burn wood on it every morning. Lay the burnt offering in order upon it. Shall burn incense there on the fat upon the peace offerings. So here I must, I must have removal of sin. I must have regularity of scriptures. We saw last week the scripture is symbolic of the wood. The wood is symbolic of the scriptures. Where no wood is, the fire goes out. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to keep some wood in your fire if it's going to keep burning. Could I ask you a question? Did you read your Bible every day this week? Hey, listen, Crossroads Baptist Church is a better congregation today if everybody in it read your Bible this week. I said, if everybody in it read your Bible this week. Now, don't go look for a chocolate chip cookie or a pat on the back because that's what you're supposed to do. But I'm telling you, the biggest beneficiary when you read your Bible is you. There's something about hearing from God every day. There's something about getting up in the morning and hearing from somebody who you don't have to double check. You don't have to fact check. You don't have to verify. It's good about getting a promise for somebody that you don't have to cross your fingers and hope they keep it. Aren't you glad the promises of God are yea and amen, that he cannot lie, that he tells the truth, that he has promised, he's promised something and he always comes through with his promise. He's a faithful God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, get up every single day and say, if I want this fire to be burning in my life, i got to remove the ashes and replace the wood. Nobody can stop me from reading God's word but me. Wow. Now look at verse 12. The fire shall be burning. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning in order upon it. And he shall burn thereon the fat on the peace offerings. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. The receiving of the supernatural, the removal of sin, the regularity of scriptures, and then write this down, the remaining in the sanctuary. Now understand something. If the wood's going to be replaced, if the ashes are going to be removed, if the fire's going to keep burning, somebody's got to stay in the sanctuary to make sure that it doesn't go out. Now, here's what the sanctuary represents. It represents the presence of God. And here's what God was saying to the priest. You can't drop the wood in and then go out in town and do what you want to do. You can't remove the ashes and then go run the streets and hang with your buddies. You can't be a priest and a player at the same time. Here's what he's saying. The work of the sanctuary must be maintained by someone who's committed to remain there. No, no, listen to me. Hear me clearly. Here's the problem with Christianity. It has become compartmentalized. I said, it's, I said it's become compartmentalized. We think that when the service is over, worship is over. We think that we can run stamina on the Christian life on our little show our face at service for a couple hours and then do nothing for God in between and somehow a fire going to burn all week long from three check-ins. 
You tell me where, anywhere, you can keep an ever-burning fire burning when you stop by it three times a week for a short period of time. He said, remain in the sanctuary. And here's my challenge to the people of God in the building today, those that are listening in. If you want the fire burning, if your consuming fire is to be sustained, you, ladies and gentlemen, are going to have to learn by intentionality. You're going to have to learn by formed habit. You're going to have to learn by Christian character. You're going to have to learn by personal experience. You're going to have to learn by daily walk. You're going to have to learn by trying God for yourself. You're going to have to learn by just doing it. You're going to have to learn by knowing that it's real. You're going to have to learn by finding out yourself. You're going to have to learn that what I've got to do for God, nobody can do for me. And by the way, you can't come drop some wood in there and then call your friend and say, I got something else to do. You go stir up my fire. You go remove my ashes. After all, it's my fire, but I got other stuff to do and you do it for me. Listen to me. The preacher can preach you a message. Your family member can run past your house and take your dog out. Your mama can cook you a meal that you haven't figured out to cook. Your friends can loan you money when you run out. Your doctor can write a prescription you can't, you can't prescribe but only you can keep the fire burning in your heart that God started and when you leave the place of maintenance it goes out. Remaining in the sanctuary means staying in his presence. I said staying in his presence. Now, now, now Leviticus 10 is a literal Man in a sanctuary maintaining an altar. The physicality of that is not what God expects. We, we can't stay at church all day long. You can't read your Bible all day long. You can, but you ain't going to get paid. Right? You can't pray all day long. You can, but you're going to wreck your car. You, can, you, can't, you, can't, you can't work. Ding, ding. Right. Everybody check your phone. Make sure they're on silent. You can, listen, you can't work for a company and tell them to pay you to study your Bible all day. But you can live in the presence of God. John 15. Let's look at a New Testament passage to mirror what remaining in the sanctuary looks like practically. Here, listen, didn't I tell you, you cannot obey the Bible if you don't understand it. So it doesn't do me any good to get up here and preach on Nadab and Abihu who need to stay in the sanctuary, stay in the sanctuary, stay in the sanctuary. And you can look at Leviticus and go, yeah, stay in the sanctuary, stay in the sanctuary. But here's what you've got to do. You've got to figure out how to stay in the sanctuary apply to me in 2023. First of all, I don't even work in a sanctuary. I'm not a priest. I'm not offering a real altar. I'm not stirring up no incense except them little two sticks that you bought buy from the mall from the two guys that show up there once in a while. So you're not burning that incense. So what practically for the believer in the 21st century does it mean to stay in the presence of God? John chapter 15, verse number 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman. Every branch that in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth fruit. Now listen to me, there is no life in the branch. 
the, listen, a branch sitting on the ground disconnected from a tree is not going to bear fruit. It must be connected to the vine. The vine is what gives it life, and the branch bears fruit because it's connected to the vine. Listen to me. We are not the vine. Jesus is the vine, and we are the branch. Our productivity is a result of our connectivity. Verse 4. Abide in me. If you're taking notes in scripture today, here's what it means. It means to remain, to stay, to continue, or to stay put. Look at me, church. You will never be a good Christian if you punch the clock with Jesus. You can't do it. And let me tell you something. It is so easy to read. Listen, I don't come to church to read people, but some people are such a bold printed open book, you can't miss it. Listen, you can listen, you can fake you can fake sanctification, you can fake spirit filling, you can fake like you really love. You can wave your hand and fake it, but I'm telling you there's going to come a time when you forget to fake it. And you ain't going to make it. And I come in here sometimes and I look and we got songs that, thank God for, listen, I don't like to be in a dead church. I mean, good gracious alive. I, I mean, the church is not the funeral home. I mean, although I've been in some pretty lively funeral homes. But anyway, the church is not a place where we, listen, it's not a library. Listen to me. You don't come into church and say, shh, keep it quiet. No, 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 no. Listen, let everything have breath. Praise the Lord. I mean, listen, isn't it in the Bible, make a joyful how can you make a joyful if you're in a quiet church? Some I went to run church. You know, Pastor, forgive us. It's kind of noise in here. I said, I'll be honest with you. I get a little nervous when there ain't no noise. So, 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 listen, I understand. Listen, you can come to church and make noise and be excited about the things of God. And we understand that. But ladies and gentlemen, if you think that all it is is tapping your foot to the song and waving your hand and bopping to the beat and then leaving up out of here and saying, Jesus, I'll see you the next time I come to church. I'm going to go up out of here and I'm going to drink what I want to drink and smoke what I want to smoke and cuss how I want to cuss and run around and sleep around and think of everything I want to do. And, 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 and I'm going to come here and drop something in the offering place and play the lottery when I leave here and act like God to listen to me. It just doesn't work that way. You can come in and put your arm around your wife in here and then go lust at every other woman when you leave here. But I'm going to tell you something. It's strange fire. You, listen, this, this, this service ought to be a piece of chicken on a toothpick from Cajun Gourmet at the mall. It ought to just be a sample size of what you and God enjoy all week long. And the problem is we got Christians trying to eat a whole meal off a piece of bourbon chicken on a toothpick. It just won't work. At some point in time, you got to quit walking past the same restaurant, flipping your hat around, taking your jacket off, putting your glasses on, getting a piece of chicken, and pull your wallet out and say, if I'm really hungry, I need to buy a whole platter. You know what the problem with most people that keep doing that at the mall? They're too cheap to buy, to pay $7.67 for bourbon chicken and, 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 and rice. So they want to keep getting free samples. They don't want to buy lemonade, so they want to go order water and lemons and sugar.
I'm not really hungry. I just want the biscuits. <laughs> no, you're cheap. And that's, what, that's what's wrong with Christianity. It's gotten so cheap. Nobody wants to work. You know what, you know what worship cost Abraham? His son. Worship costs. I, I just get, I just get, I just get sick and tired of people that sweat and gruel all week long and then get mad when the work of God requires effort. It's in the horizon. We might as well say it is in the horizon. We've talked about it. Pastor Mike's talked about it. They're working on it. Choir's coming back at some point real soon. And he's working, we're working on getting that ready. I, I want to cry. Somebody already think, oh boy, we got to go. Who sings and don't work? I want to sing, but I don't want to practice. You think, you think, you think preaching just happens? Trust me, I've been in places where it just happens. And it'd been better for everybody if it didn't. You say, you, I'm, I may have you for 45 minutes on Sunday, but the work, the work of this message didn't start when I turned, said, turn to Leviticus chapter 10. It started about 4.45 this morning. Because I can't expect for God to just drop something nice on me in the pulpit because I'm sitting here if I didn't think enough about him to grab a hold of him before y'all woke up. Remain in the sanctuary. Read this Bible during the week. Walk with God. You shouldn't be sensing something so foreign when you get in God's presence in church. You're like, oh, boy, I tell you what, if, what if, it was just like... Like Jesus was there. Yeah. <laughs> Best times I've ever had with the Lord. And I'm being honest. We're not in church. See, see you're only as strong with God as you are by yourself. Did you, have, you, have you ever, just you and God during the week, just had a good time? I mean, have you ever been driving on the road and you had to pull over? I've had to. I mean, just pull over because if I keep worshiping like this and driving at the same time, something got to give. I just got to pull aside. Have you ever got, gotten so happy in the Lord, so, so full of the goodness of God? David said, my cup runneth over. You know what that means? He pours more in than I can contain. Good measure, shaking down, pressed down, shaking, running over, Luke says. The psalmist said in Psalm 73, I'm hastening. I preached a message years ago called God. God is good, but you're tripping. That was the name of the message. He's been blessing you, but all you're doing is mad at all the other people that are doing evil and getting blessed. And you're tired of being a Christian because you don't see it's paying off for you because everybody that does wrong keeps paying off. Psalm 73, that Asaph was so mad. You read it when you get a chance this week. Psalm 73, he was so mad. He said, all the wicked people seem to, seem to prosper. And by the way, you don't have to turn on the TV long to see wicked people prospering. 
living like the devil and making money off of it. And his mind was all twisted. He was like an animal because he could not rationalize how he was doing right and seemingly failing. And they were doing right and seemingly fruitful. And then he said in verse number seven, in, in 73, he said, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Let me say something to you. Everything looks different in the presence of God. Let me give you this, the, the, the touch of this, okay? And then we'll just talk about it next week. Strange fire, the consuming fire has not been sustained. Okay, number two. The current farce is from the wrong source. It just ain't real as a farce. It's just no good. So, so no, go back chapter 10, right? Leviticus. And go home and look at it this week. Turn to your neighbor and say, oh boy. Turn the other way and say, oh boy. This is where, this is where, this is where Nadab and Abihu were. Verse 1, chapter 10. And they damned by the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer. Now read, read the words with me. And did what? Put fire there. Why you need to put fire in it? Because the one that was burning ain't burning no more. Now please listen. When what only God can do is not being done, I am forced to do it myself. Well, I ain't gonna look, I ain't gonna quit, I ain't gonna quit the pastorate. I'm the pastor. My name on the website. My name outside the office. I, everybody in here know I'm the pastor. Look, I go places. People know I'm the pastor of Crossroads Baptist Church. Dr. Kenny Baldwin, pastor of Crossroads Baptist Church. I was voted in in 2011. I ain't walking away from the ministry. Well, you ain't walking with God either. So since I'm not going to get what I need from God, guess what I got to do? Come up here in the pulpit and work up something. It's only a matter of time when the lack of real fire is exposed. Huh? You can fool people, you can't fool God. Don't take shortcuts on worship. By the way, the pastor's not the only one that should be getting ready to meet with God on Sundays. So should all of you. You don't come to church to get right. You should be getting right before you come. And here's a Nate Abbott about here. We didn't remove the ashes. We didn't replace the wood. We didn't reign in the sanctuary. We, we, we didn't remove sin. We didn't have regularity of scriptures. We didn't remain in the sanctuary. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Fire's going out. Ha, ha. Let's, let's whip up something fast. Next week, what I want to do is I want to talk to you 
about some of the strange fires that are being whipped up in churches. I'm talking about man-made incense and fire. It doesn't matter what kind of fire you have. People are going to come out and watch it. My wife and I were heading back from North Carolina last week, I believe it was. And there was a big accident on the other side of the road. Truck flipped over another car, another car. Whole highway blocked off. Miles, I thought, I'm glad it's not the way I'm going. I said to my wife, I don't need to stop because this is what we complain about when everybody else stops. She said, yeah, but I want to take a picture. Stop. <laughs> this is why there's traffic on the side where there's no accident. Because everybody watches catastrophe. Something's burning. People are going to come out with their phones. Huh? So just because you attract a crowd to watch your fire doesn't mean it's not fake. Let's be very serious. We better learn to be real with God. This, book, this book's nothing to play with. This God's nothing to play with. Every praise belongs to God. But listen, if when you come here is the only time you praise him, then when you praise him, you're probably not even praising him. And then you get out to the world and you got to whip up something. God help us. Strange fire. Say it with me. Strange fire. The consuming fire is not being sustained. The current forest is from the wrong source. Let's talk about them next week. It violated scripture in Leviticus. And oh yes, it violates scripture now. Our Father, would you bless Guide and direct. And do like only you can. We love you. We bless you. Pastor, I'm saved and I know it. If you know it, would you raise your hand? I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I know it. Hands all over the building. God bless you. Put your hands down. Pastor, I don't want to be guilty of not remaining in the sanctuary. I need to stay in his presence. God is speaking to me because I feel the pressure of having to have some kind of fire, but I don't want to have to come up with the Christian life. I want God to produce it through me. I want to stay, abide in him. If that's you, would you put your hand up all over the building? God bless you. God bless you. And it's a challenge because I'm going to tell you something. Let's, be, let's all be honest, and you say amen if you agree. Living out in that world and dealing with people, It'll make you leave the presence of God if you don't, if you don't, if you're not careful. You'd be too mad to be in God's presence. See, that's the problem. We think we're supposed to run to God's presence when problems come. No, no, no. We're supposed to dwell in God's presence so the problems don't take us. 
Last question. Pastor, I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I do not want to go to hell. Please pray for me. I'm not 100% for sure. If I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I don't want to go to hell. Anybody like that? Would you slip your hand up? God bless the children. Anyone else? God bless you. Let's make sure one of our uh, deacon's wives gets the candidate for baptism upstairs, please. Anyone else? I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. Then where you are, would you pray? If you're a Christian, you know you're going to heaven. Say, God, help me stay. Now listen, you, you can't tell God keep you in his presence. You got to determine to stay there. Father, I pray that you'd work in a special way for your glory and our good. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name.